Welcome aboard the BK Escape Pod. That's right, it's the augmented and bionic podcast version of the live show. You can hear us Saturdays from 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern on 100.3 FM and AM 1450 WBHF Radio. You can stream the show live there Saturdays at WBHFradio.org or on the free TuneIn app. Look out, here we go. Stand by to receive our transmission. Okay, wait, I gotta get everything situated here. Right, I, got a, I got a cup of coffee. I got this notebook over here. I got the chair. Oh, I got the chair adjusted. Turn the cell phone to silent. Yeah, believe it or not, there's a silent button on the cell phone. You have to turn that on silent. Some people doesn't. Some people don't realize that there's a silent button on the cell phone some people don't realize that there's a dimmer switch in your car when you're driving when you meet someone at night dim your lights you know there's even a dimmer switch and an indicator a little blue light that comes on let you know that your bright lights are on i don't know how they forget to do that but they do but uh bk on the air <laughs> AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. I'm sitting in the, the warm chair, which was kept warm by you-know-who, who's sitting in the chair that I kept warm now. Right I think this one's me, warmer. Alan, Is it warmer? This one had more surface area. I'm not going to. Well, it's that It's that plus another reason that I'm not going to tell you why. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> tell everybody as long as it's not damp. Glad that you're out there. Hey, you want to stay tuned to the show today because I'm going to tell you a way today, depending on when you hear this, if it's on the podcast many weeks later, then it's not going to help you much, but it's going to be interesting to hear what was happening at the time. A way that you can check on if you're interested in taking advantage of living in Georgia, living in the Atlanta area that we broadcast, our broadcast central is from here, which is northwest Georgia, but we're just above Atlanta, just northwest of Atlanta. How this place is a hub for uh, Hollywood productions and movies, especially Marvel Comics productions, and we're got, we got a lot to talk about today when it comes to that. How you can get cast, a way you can get cast or check into it in Spider-Man 3, Marvel Comic, Marvel Studios, Spider-Man 3. They're casting. They need more people right now. They're in, presently filming the as-of-yet-untitled subtitle of <laughs> Spider-Man 3. We're just wondering, is it going to c- continue to the uh, the word home, having right. the home in the yeah, title yeah, somewhere? Homecoming, Far From Home. Like this is a trilogy, a home trilogy of, uh, of Spider-Man. Home alone? Home, homesick. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's got. Uh, I hear the multiverse may be involved in it, so maybe the word homesick, or you know, because if, if he's far away from in another galaxy or something or mm. another dimension, he might be um, homesick for this dimension. Who knows what it could be? It could homemade. be home homeless. <laughs> could <laughs> you know? be. Homeless. Well, if, if like Sony that. were to ever pull back their rights, he might be. Well, you know that I think uh, I think slowly but surely Marvel is becoming the uh, Marvel Studios is becoming the sole owner of, of these things, and I think they're eventually going to completely own Spider-Man as well. First thing on the program this morning, I haven't really got hot and started here just yet, and somebody's already calling seven seven zero three eight six fourteen fifty on the line right now. It's BK on the air. I think I know who this is. Good morning, my friend. Miss Chris, too, gets his blood blowing. Yeah, and what's weird is spring is just around the corner. Believe it or not, <laughs> we're just ha- winter always lasts has a last hurrah on us when we have a few days of nice and warm. We know that the cold is going to uh, to come back eventually, and that's really what we're in right now. So, uh, what's going on? Well, you know, I noticed that on the TV there's a mob that says brightness. Yes, I turned the up, and then politicians are still just as dumb <laughs> as they ever were. Nobody gets bright when you turn the brightness up on television. <laughs> Characters on TV shows don't either. You know, it's just crazy when that happens. And uh, yeah, a lot and a lot of people. It's funny how there's a lot of controls of things that people 
don't know or, or, or seem to be oblivious that they're there. I mean, I'm when I drive long distances on the road, and I had this as a pet peeve not too long ago. If I'm no, if I'm no, if I know I'm going a long way on an interstate or a freeway, I'm a cruise control user. The more I can just set that cruise at appropriate, which is you know always a little above the speed limit because I always try to get away with a little bit. I won't go too far above it because I don't want to call attention to myself. But I set it there. But you won't believe the people that'll come up beside me and just ride right beside me in the left lane, and then then they'll cruise a little forward, then they'll fall behind me again and just block that passing lane by doing that. And I'm like, just pick a speed and either go on and get out of my way or fall back. It, that's all I ask. And didn't you dim your lights when you meet me too? <laughs> yeah. People don't know what that switch for. Right. Now, the dimmer switch works in the car, but, yeah, it doesn't It doesn't work uh, when you turn up the brightness on a television to make the character smarter. No, you're right. It doesn't work. I wish I had a, one to turn up the brightness and the smartness of the drivers <laughs> and, the, and the cars going down the road. That's just a pet peeve. Driving's always been a pet peeve of mine because I always try to be a really good, safe, and competent driver that no one that no one hates. Yeah, I was talking to the guy the other day. I said, I wish I could turn my intelligence down so I could understand what you're saying. <laughs> wouldn't, it, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice if I could go, man, if I was just as dumb as, as, as a dim bulb as this other person, it wouldn't bother me as much. Now, I'm not saying I'm, the, I'm far from the smartest person in the room. And with Alan in the room, I am not the smartest person in the room. But uh, that's a, we know that for, for a fact. But, but I would... I am smarter than the average bear. Uh, I like to think, and it just uh, it would be nice. It would be nice to join the masses of the ones that aren't very smart. That way, it wouldn't bug us, right? That's right. Hey, boo boo. <laughs> well, Jeff, we know that you're smart because you're listening to me every every Saturday morning, and I appreciate you being out there, buddy. Absolutely, y'all carry on. Take right, care, thank man. you, buddy. Bye bye. <laughs> Some would argue that he's not smart listening to me, but that's again, that's their opinion, you know, and. Opinions are like what? What's the saying? Well, opinions are like couple of something. <laughs> Can't go there. So that would be for the something podcast, about all so. of them stinking. So opinions are like orifices. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I I would like to be able to do that because I think if I was if I wasn't as smart as people, as some of the other folks that I can obviously see, I don't think I'm the smartest person. But you know, I am. I am smarter than some people. Everybody's always smarter than somebody else. That's just always going to yeah. be the case. There's always going to be somebody smarter than you are. Hey, guess too. what? Someone's always going to have more than you. <laughs> right. Someone's always going to be better than you at something. You can't look at – you yeah. have to figure out what do you like and where's your comfort zone. I didn't and stay get in that it. as a teenager, but I finally – years of living is sometimes the only thing that will teach you what's true. It's called experience. Experience. Because how many times, I'm sure that you have you, – you and I have both lost our father. They're gone now. How many times – at least since he's passed away, both of us, I think we have, I've, I've caught myself going, wait, a, wow, my dad was right about that. Or, and I was doing it while mine was still alive. Well, mine was and never I was right getting older, anything. you know. Oh, right. <laughs> Your dad was right about a lot of things. You know, from the military, just ask him. He, he, uh, he was right just about ask him. He, he will tell you. <laughs> so, but I found myself doing that a lot. And, um, yeah, turn the brightness up. Boy, I'd like to – I was watching a show the other day where I'm like, if I could turn the brightness up on that character that of the show I was watching, I'm like, what an idiot. You know, and it was one of the – it was in the blacklist I was watching with, uh, with, with the better half. She was watching the blacklist. And it's a very well-rated – television show mm-hmm. supposed to be well, james well written james spader but but a couple of the characters were doing something really stupid on it i'm like why are you doing this that's dumb oh and by the way guess what i've started watching i've started game of thrones game of thrones i, I saw that seven episodes in because you're almost done with one. season one i'm almost over with season one so there's so much to keep track of you may feel overwhelming well yeah and i and i pay attention to the show it's not i've heard it's one of those shows where you can't half watch right like go into the kitchen and then come there's back so much happening. i watch shows like that anyway i don't really half watch anything Unless it's a show I've seen a billion times, I can half watch it. That's okay, because I know what's going to happen. Cool. I do have one major complaint about Game of Thrones, which is kind of disappointing. For me, anyway, the show 
it really could have a little more sex and violence in it. It's really not enough in it. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Can, can't we? You've got can't seven we up more that? seasons to go. Good. Does it go up? Well, good. I'm glad. I'm looking forward to that. It's BK on the air. Never fear, Smith is here. And now, back to a guy who has no idea what a call of encroachment means, but he knows what roughing the listener is all about. It's BK on the air. Greetings, fellow classic TV fans. Since the early days of television, sitcoms based on families have been popular. Here, I've assembled my top five favorite TV dads. Let's see if you agree with my picks. If you're lost in space, what better dad to have than my number five pick, Guy Williams, as Professor John Robinson. Originally slated to be the main star of the show, to his credit, Guy kept any resentment of the fact that Jonathan Harris stole the show mostly to himself. With a much more comedic storyline, Red Fox's Fred Sanford comes in at number four. Even though he and Lamont were constantly at each other's throats, often the scripts would reveal a true love between the two. At number three, it's Bill Bigsby from The Courtship of Eddie's Father. I always loved those father and son talks at the start of each episode. Tom Corbett never talked down to Eddie, and reportedly, Bigsby and Brandon Cruz were like that with each other in real life, forging a lifelong friendship. Hugh Beaumont as Ward Cleaver comes in at number two. As the epitome of the all-American father, Ward always did his parenting with a moral lesson and often with an underrated comedic touch. My number one pick isn't actually a dad. He was an uncle. Uncle Bill, that is. Brian Keith as Bill Davis from Family Affair took on the father figure role in what was a pretty tragic aspect of the storyline, but Keith added his heartwarming style and movie star acting chops to the part, making him number one in my book. So there you have it, my top five favorite classic TV dads. This is Pat McCormick with your retro TV trivia from the Golden Rage of TV. You can also find me on YouTube and Facebook at Golden Rage of TV and on Twitter at Golden Rage of TV One. And now back to BK on the air. Thank you, Pat. You know, there's two people on the air right now, me and Alan. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's right, there's two people in here. Two. Hmm. Two. Jazz. Jazz numbers from Sesame Street. I always love that. <laughs> help you, see, we help you count here with BK on the air. I was just talking more with Alan off the air here about Game of Thrones, watching it for the first time. My better half and I have always been late to the party. We were late uh, on seeing The Sopranos. We were late when we came into Breaking Bad. We were late when we came into Mad Men. Hmm. She's kind of late coming into the blacklist because she's watching it now. We just had busy lives, and we couldn't actually always watch everything because we watched other things. We didn't right. watch a lot. It's not that we didn't watch anything or we watched nothing. We watched something. We watched other shows, and I did too. I just didn't get to around to a lot of those newer shows. But now, thanks to streaming and everything, we could always go back and revisit these television productions that we missed. And now we're in the middle of it. And I liked all the ones that I missed. I love The Sopranos. I don't know if you ever saw it before. Sopranos is a great show. Breaking Brad surprised me. It was really considering the content of the show. You know, I'm like, right. this is a show about meth 
production and how i'm like oh it just shows how they it destroys lives okay well fine that's that was the basis of a show great show uh depressing very hard i don't know if i could go back and watch it again and again and again and again because it's just so intense and weird and i did i felt that's the only show i watched that affected me when i watched breaking bad I try to separate it from reality because it's just a show, mm-hmm. but it's based in reality. There was no sci-fi fantasy stuff going on in Breaking Bad. It was totally trying to be 100% mm-hmm. real about meth production and addiction and, and horrible lifestyle and things going on and violence. And I find myself going, man, i got to take a break from this show because it is really what you surround yourself. It's like eating bad food all the time. It, <laughs> affects your, it kind of affects you sometimes. Now, there was, it was a good show, though. Don't get me wrong. Very well done. Very well done for what it was trying to say. Right. That's why people go, how could you ever like the movie Boogie Nights. That's it's, it's, it, 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 that's that's like porn. I'm like, it is not porn. Boogie Nights is one of the most one of the best anti-porn films you'll ever watch in your life to keep you away from it and steer you clear of it and show you it's, how horrible it is. It's fantastic. It's I mean, a, it's a great being, movie. Plus, it's a great story. Yeah, for what it is, you know, it doesn't glorify it. It just shows how horrible it is. In my opinion, it's all in what you see. So, Game of Thrones is, um, and I love Mad Men too, but Mad Men too, by the way. Uh, Game of Thrones is. is growing on me i mean i'm like this is a really well done show i'm I'm sorry i apologize i'm finally figuring that out people are telling me for a long time gotta watch game of thrones you gotta watch it i'm like i'm going to it's in it's in it's lined up in on all these shows i have a line of shows that are like people waiting in a queue to ride an amusement park ride it's all these little tv shows waiting in line for me to watch them because i can't i I really only like like to try maybe juggle two maybe three at once to watch i don't like to watch maybe five different shows all at once i I, I just that's the way i am people that can do it's fine and i Mm -hmm. could probably do it but i just choose not to so right now we're in the midst of game of thrones and we're liking it but it's only first season i'm only in the seventh sixth episode i think of the first season i'm, I'm not into the first even the first season yet so you're gonna like it i'm enjoying it if you're enjoying it now it only good. builds from here good i, I hear until the first last season I until the last, well, the last <laughs> which season. is i even heard the last season has some pretty good oh, stuff happen in it so my, like, okay. my daughters and i were talking about it just this past week my wife was gone on a, on a camping trip for several days this past week they came over for dinner one night we just the three of us were chatting and that's when she said oh yeah we're, we're re-watching game of thrones and blah blah, yeah. blah. oh well, and we and next thing you know for like the next hour and a half we were talking about what we liked what we didn't like why did they not maybe pursue a storyline why right. did they choose this other storyline right just, it, which is like what you do when you love a show is you want to talk about yeah. it well that's why we talked about one division last hour speculating yeah and i'd and I like to talk about the latest one division but i can't because as we know my schedule we do our show here live on saturday and friday nights i have a schedule where i don't get in friday night until uh you know i party too late friday night i'm out partying until like two o'clock in the morning you know, the episode drops after yeah. midnight thursday i know you could actually watch it friday morning i know but i just can't i'd rather sit down and watch it with the with the better half and, we're, that, and that's what we you do can we'll, watch it we'll again try. and i can always watch it yeah and i always watch it uh when it eventually on Saturday, and that just means I'll talk about it a week later, or talk about it and get and get uh, lost in the conversation on social media. I'll I'll comment on there what I think about it. But I I am still loving the show, watching it as we go along. I'm, I think I've got time to do this story. Let me break this right here because this was kind of a breaking story yesterday, and I didn't even know about this until I read it by Rebecca Rubin, and I think I got this off of uh, Variety. I think Ed Edgar Wright. You familiar with the director Edgar Wright? Yeah, who directed, he's, he directed. He's, he did uh, all of the like the he did uh, Baby Driver was one of his movies that was filmed. Here in Atlanta, well, yeah, which is great. But, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. He's, Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Hot Fuzz. And then what was Simon the, Pegg movie? The, uh, the one about the, 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 the pub crawl. The, uh, it was I like the, part the of that trilogy. Okay, it was maybe, the same okay, guy, Simon sure Pegg, and the other guy that are always kind of. Well, it's like their trilogy of he's movies. He's a talented director. Did you see Baby Driver? I did not. I heard that's really good. It's a fantastic movie. What's funny about Baby Driver is it's distracting because you and I know 
exactly what Atlanta looks like. We know we're familiar with a lot of the streets, the city of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And when he's when he's driving around and they're doing their thing and Baby Driver, when you watch it, you're like, oh, that's Peachtree Street. Oh, there's the IBM tire. There's this. There's that. And you watch it. And it's a little distracting at first. Even when they turn on the radio, you hear local radio station people like a certain weatherman from a certain big AM radio station really? that you've worked at in Atlanta on in the movie. They use everything local for Atlanta because the movie itself, it doesn't take place somewhere else other than Atlanta. Atlanta is just standing in for it. It is in Atlanta. The movie itself takes place there. And it's a great film. You've really got to see it. I need to it. check really it out because one of the things I heard was almost all of the stunts are 100% practical. Like all the driving. Yeah, I don't see any see I couldn't see anything that looked fake which or CGI. Some of the it, some of the, like the, the 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 bootlegger reverses in the alleys and stuff like how how right. did you pull that off? And the other thing I find myself saying and this is a technical minor complaint. He's driving around like a maniac in Atlanta in the afternoon and I'm thinking rea- reality check, he would never be able to do that with the traffic that's there. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> never in a million all years. The cars? <laughs> there's, there's no cars in his way at all and I'm like, "What's going on here?" Well, I'm got some other uh, story here from Edgar Wright, the director. He's going to direct, I found out, the adaptation, a new adaptation of Stephen King's The Running Man. I found out about that. Really? And that's a good director to help me. It was published in 1982, The Running Man, originally under a uh, Stephen King pseudonym, Richard Bachman. I wonder why he did that. Was he ashamed of the story? Did he so just try to test no, and here's, see if here's people the story. would read him if he, it wasn't his name? Was would, on this is a that. time where he was so prolific, his editor said, oh. you can't have too many books because then you're going to dilute your brand. Yeah, that and he had so that. many ideas. He decided to create a secondary author name so he could release stuff under a different name because his publishers were saying well, you can't have more than one book wow. a year. He's like, but now, I write more than that. Now, when he did this, did he prove him wrong? You just not ever do that again. Well, I think somebody looked it up finally and realized, <laughs> oh my God, Richard Bachman is Stephen King. So they end up starting and to put up more than didn't one really book. care. <laughs> now, have they since gone back and and I guess they haven't went back to the to new new copies of the book that they make now and put his name on it. Yeah, they've all been re-released under his name. name. And they'll say formerly Richard Bachman. That's funny. Wow. Yeah, you know, The Running Man... I just thought it was the guy from Bachman Turner Overdrive that had turned into an author. (laughs) The movie was nothing like the book. It was just the the basic idea... Because it was this, a short story, right? Was it yeah, a, it was okay. a novella. It was about a hundred and some page story. But what a great way to take a short story and turn it into a really great and successful full-length motion picture. Well, I loved The Running Man. I thought it was great. If you're expecting the Richard Dawson, Arnold Schwarzenegger, if, that's, right. if they're going to try to do a true adaptation... It's going to be a completely different movie. I wonder how they're going to do it, but they're going to have to they're going to have to pad it to make it a one and a half hour, two hour film, though. I guess still. Right? Oh no, no, no! It, there's a lot in the book. Oh, so even though even it's a hundred pages, it's, they can make it a full length film. Think about it. Okay, uh, good. I mean, a hundred page script would be over. I thought it'd be it was a two hour movie. So. Okay. Do you remember who directed the original Running Man? Was it Verhoeven? No, it was Paul Michael Glazer. Oh, really? Uh, uh, Starsky from Starsky and Hutch, the old original television I didn't show. realize he directed He He turned into a director. Now, don't be wrong. I love the 80s Hutch. take on the story. I love Richard Dawson as the oh, bad it's, guy. It's a, in, in its own right, everything it's about movie. ratings. Hey, why are you guys worried? We're up nine <laughs> points. Like, that's all he cares about. I loved his character. Come on down. Yeah, Richard Dawson was was, uh, was great in it. Everybody forgets he was an actor beforehand. In English, it's BK on there. We'll return after these messages. Right, the toy that lets you create beautiful pictures with light. Light, light, Work with colorful pegs that glow with light. Light bulb not included. Make people, animals, things. And with refills, Bugs Bunny or Bozo the Clown. You can make lots of pretty pictures with Light Bright from Hasbro. 
Mattel introduces the Battlestar Galactica Collection. You can imagine the colonial warrior against the evil Cylon Centurions. Cylon Centurions ready, check. Activate eye scanner, energized pulsator, aim laser pistol, on target. Colonial warrior changing scanner to laser time. Get it. Each figure sold separately, batteries not included. Cylon Centurion and Colonial Warrior from the Battlestar Galactica Collection. New from Mattel. Back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF talking about nostalgic geekiness all over the place every Saturday morning. Can you believe as we sit here and talk on the radio right now on February the 20th, 2021, we have a, a rover on Mars What's running the around. What's the second one? We have, we have one up there. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a vehicle up there running around, which I think I heard it. And we'll t- we got the story coming up. We'll talk about it in more depth later. But it's got a record. Tw- is it 25 cameras on this thing? 25 different camera angles they can pull up and on this thing. And microphones. We get to hear, yeah, get to hear what hear the sound. landscape sounds like. Yeah, that's scary, maybe. Well, I've already heard some of it. I'm like, I did too. That's horrifying. Is that wind that's or is that sounding. solar wind? Like, where's that know. sound coming from? I don't know. But yeah, we've got, we actually got uh, we, science fiction and science fact are crossing each other's paths all the time. But right now on the show, it's time that we flash the audience of the news, the weird, the strange, and the bizarre. And the young man across the... I'll call you young still because you're still younger I'm than younger me. Than you. The young man across <laughs> the way from me on the other microphone. I've got the first news. All right, one of our favorite areas to dive into is the Guinness World Record holders. Isn't and it, There's though? another Guinness World Record announced on a border collie. Was his name Lassie? No, I don't think okay. so. Not if it was a border him. collie named Kim sold for thirty-eight thousand eight hundred and ninety-three dollars at auction, breaking the record for the most expensive sheepdog. I started to say that's got to be a record for a dog's price anyway, just not a sheepdog. That's a pretty hefty price for a dog. Yeah, Guinness told Kim was auctioned online by Farmers Marts in Wales and fetched the steep price of thirty-eight thousand eight hundred and ninety-three wow. dollars, breaking the record previously set when a sheepdog named Henna. Sold for $26,088 in October of 2020. The record-keeping organization said Kim's high price is especially notable given that the auction occurred one day before the canine's first birthday. So just about to turn one year old. Wow. Uh, Dewey Jenkins, the farmer and competitive sheepdog trainer who raised Kim, said she already has the intelligence of a three-year-old sheepdog. (laughs) I'm glad you added that at the end. I thought you just said three-year-old. And if you know anything about whales, (laughs) whales is... There's more sheep per capita than anything else. Like Wales really? is sheep country. It's that's, just that's where most that's where of my mom's side of the family's from. Yeah. Last name Watkins. They're from Wales. My buddy from the 60MW podcast that started it, Dave Robinson, lives in Wales, and he will send pictures of just walking his dog, and there will be just sheep everywhere. <laughs> just just, just sheep, not it, not, just sheep. And so you want a good sheep dog to keep your herd intact. And I don't think there are any wolves in England. Are there or are there? Are there uh, wolves in England? I don't know. Was, was the, what was the because, werewolf in London? All well, about? I don't know. Well, I think that was the one that made it there. It's him. <laughs> and there could be. I, I don't live there. So wolves in the moors? There's got to be. There are There are. There are uh, animals that aren't in England that are here. Like, I think there's certain types of snakes that aren't there that we have here. Well, they have Ireland has no there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, until they some idiot introduces them over there and lets them go, you can never tell. So, uh, And speaking of Guinness World Records, it's always fun to read them, keep up on them, and see what they are. And you, you're always fascinated by, I didn't know there was a record for that. There's a record right. for that. And you've several times gotten me the Guinness record for uh, record books for, uh, for Christmas, the big coffee table book, and they're fascinating mm-hmm. to look at because they have to change them every year because yeah. they usually get 
get broken. People want to break those records. Here's a, here's a quick question for you, just to get sidetracked on that, because we are talking about that. If there were, what was what's the closest Guinness record that you maybe would try to attempt to break that you would be able to do? Is there one? And yeah, you don't have to answer it quick. You can think about it. Because I was thinking about that the other day. I really, when I was younger, I think there were several I could probably attempt to do. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I could do a I could do a a, a three day marathon movie watching thing. Well, I couldn't do that. And I don't think I could do it now. It just wouldn't be the closest would be capable of doing going that. to see the same movie in the movie theater over and over and over again while it's still out so you could do that's one you'd like to attempt you could probably could, do that one too yeah i could but, i could reasonably if you know the cost being of no object yeah, right i could reasonably do that i don't i don't see myself growing my toenails to where they can you know like 17 <laughs> right, feet in front of that. me i couldn't eat um, like 14 or, or 300 uh Hard-boiled eggs. Or no, like that. no. So a lot of the eating challenges, I yeah. don't think I'd be good for. If I ate three or five hundred hard-boiled eggs to break the record, there would be. I would break another record a few hours later, <laughs> as a result of that. Probably. I mean, I could break a record of most mistakes on a radio show. I could probably try to do that, but we'd have to keep a record of it. <laughs> or we, we 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 do. We record them so we could check it. So I could do that maybe. Yeah, I'd have to look at all the different categories, but that'd probably be of the ones we've covered before. Right. I think I could reasonably, especially if it's a movie I really liked. Now that you bring it up, I think that's probably the one I would be able to do as well. I, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking about that. Because remember, when, back when Marvel would have a movie coming out, they would promote it and be part of promoting their upcoming films. They would do what's called a Marvel movie marathon in certain theaters, and they would show all the Marvel films up to that point, mm-hmm. how many of them were out. There's many more of them now, but they would show they have a marathon. Come and see every Marvel film. You know, take a few minutes break in between the films. You know, and that's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a marathon of doing it. I thought about it back just a few years ago doing that. Then I started really thinking about it, and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. I'd probably like it, but I got you know a busy life. Now I got things to do. I got to got to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. And that was kind of that that kept me from that kept me from. Well, doing all it, those so movies are it. usually two to two and a half hours a piece. Yeah. So you're looking at 25 films. That's 48 plus straight hours. Yes. And and with just Round a bra- little break in the middle, which makes it even longer. Yeah, you'd have to take a little break here and there. Or one. No, if, if it was, let's say, let, like, I'll just, for example, Jaws or Deadpool or right. some movie that I just really love. And they said, if you went to go see it three times a day, every day for the next 30 days or 60 days, I could do that. Well, if it's three times a day and you've got the rest of the day to do whatever and live out your life. Yeah, if it's, if it's broken up like that, I think I could do it. Yeah, yeah, it's just watching the same movie in the theater more than once. Yeah. But it really would have to be a movie that we really loved. <laughs> yeah, like Jaws. Jaws. Name the movie. There are there are certain movies on our list where we it doesn't matter. We would never be sick of them. I'm never never going to be sick of them. Whereas it's different with songs on the radio. There are several classic rock songs and songs that I've heard so many times, and it's not that I hate them. I am I have literally reached the point to some songs where I'm like I don't need to hear that for a long time. I'm saturated because it's done. already in my brain. I can hear it right now if I yeah. wanted to. Stairway to Heaven by the Led Zeppelin's one of them. No, it's a great song, great group, rock uh, legends. I know what you mean. There are songs where <sighs> I can't need to hear. I'm that like, anymore. okay, I've heard this so much. Sometimes they just get overplayed. I love, like you do. I love Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. But if I, I could go a very long time without hearing another brick in the wall. The single, <laughs> the single of off the off the album, part two, the one that yeah, we all. Hear. I could go a long time without hearing that because I don't. And I, I mean, if I'm listening to the album, sometimes I kind of skip it. I know it's horrible. I should be listening to it in its entirety. And I don't always do it, but sometimes I go skip. Yeah, just skip that because I've heard. I can turn on the radio right now. It's on somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure it is. That's why I'm listening to. It. I do believe it or not. We're on a radio station here, and I hate to admit that. We'll be got to get back to the flash in the audience for a minute. We just get distracted. Hey, this is your side show. I'm just along for the ride. We saw a squirrel. We got distracted. You're Harrison Ford. Uh, I'm Sean Connery. I'm sitting in the sidecar <laughs> waiting Junior. for you to pop the brakes for us. Uh, you, I, we've got to go. The book's that way, son. <laughs> we got to go this way. <laughs> And we're not going to get on a dirigible either, uh, or a Zeppelin. Um, 
got distracted even by something else. No, the, uh, the rock rock albums. When people are listening to a rock station, and sometimes I'll hear them even on even on the call in stations, whether they're streaming or broadcasting or wherever. And they call in and request a song, you know. And I hear I heard someone not too long ago on a classic rock station. I was out of town, and the guy called in. He's like, "Hi, could you play Led Zeppelin Stairway to Heaven?" I'm like, "Why are you don't request it? They'll play it eventually. Just sit and listen right. to the station." Well, you re- out of all the songs, I it know, hadn't I, come on when he turned his radio on. Like he wants like on demand. And God bless him. It's probably one of his favorite songs. There's nothing wrong with that. And people are gonna think I hate that, hate all of that. I'm like, no, I don't hate it. I'm just. I've lived now 55 years as of this week. Oh, yeah. It was my Happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. It was my birthday this past week. And I've lived 55 years and some of these things I've heard over and over and over. Now, I have I have a double standard. My double standard is, and I was called out on it, and I totally admit, I have a double standard when it comes to movies. Some movies I can watch over and over again, not like songs. Of, of, of Songs are different. I don't know why it's different, but it kind of is. Now there are it some. Is, it is different. There are some songs where, and we talked about this before. If they come on the radio and I'm pulling into my uh, driveway and my house, I'll either stay in the garage and listen to the whole song until it's over, or I'll circle the neighborhood and come in when the song's over. One of them for me is "In the Air Tonight" by Phil Collins. That's one of the best written, produced, most awesome sounding songs in the world. And I have you got to gotta stay for the drum every the time. Yeah, all the way to the That's when the song takes off. Like it's great. Speaking on there, I promise we'll get back to the news flashes when we get back. Thursday on Hawaii 5 my daughter. Kidnapping? Your father's right. Is it a kidnapping or a runaway? Then on Barnaby Jones, is JR's friend a murderer? I didn't mean to kill her. All right, get in, JR. Hawaii 5 then Barnaby Jones, Thursday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain. Tomorrow on CBS. Tuesday, one look and Fonzie's hooked. I am in awe. But his dream girl has a little surprise on the season premiere of Happy Days. Then Shirley's getting married. But who's the mystery groom? It's the season premiere of Laverne and Shirley. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. You are listening to BK on the Air on AM 1450, FM 100.3, and online on the TuneIn Radio app. Now, back to a guy who makes you feel really young, mostly because he's so old. It's BK on the Air. Yeah, there's three things that I really hate. Cold toilet seats, hospital rooms, and edited songs. Don't edit rock songs. We're talking on the break how they take those rock songs and edit them down. It's Oh, it's the radio version of the album. It's not the album version of the song. And... Sometimes they play the album version, but you can tell the edited version. I hate that. Back to the news flashes. I got the next news. The California Highway Patrol, or CHIPS, in (laughs) other words, Ponch and John, said troopers responding to a report of body parts floating in the water next to a highway ramp were relieved to discover... The limbs and torsos are actually were mannequin parts. The CHP said a trucker who caught a glimpse of the seemingly grisly sight at the Arch Road on-ramp near Highway 99 in Stockton called 911 to report a suspected dismembered body floating in the water. Troopers arrived and discovered multiple mannequin torsos, arms, and legs floating in the water instead. Thank goodness the CHP joked in a Facebook post that the scene was the result of the lovelorn Stockton Kraken going on a Valentine's Day killing spree. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you want to get a little humor in there, that's fine. The mannequin parks were removed by the California Department of Transportation, or CDT as they call it, to prevent further 911 calls from alarmed drivers. Well, you know, if, you, if you're from a distance, you might mistake them for being body parts. Better you know? safe than sorry, because, you know, it, hey, that happened in Bartow County. 
For when real. Did, when did that happen? Really? When, when was that? A year and a half ago. What did they find? Uh, a, a woman had been brought here from Virginia and oh no, you're right. It was, it was a real thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. it was terrible. So you never know. Think about the guy. A person took the trash and actually it fell apart and came out of the trash bag. Yeah. And, oh. and what do you think at first? What do you th- what does your mind go through at your first? Br- I can't imagine your brain even understands what. You're Maybe you might at. think that you're like, what is this? Is this a gag? Is this a Halloween right. prank? Is this a special That's effect? Probably blah, what blah, I would blah. go to first. And then when it finally dawns on you, this is real. And oh. then you're like, yeah, I'd, I'd have a few. The nightmares. word grizzly was used imp- appropriately in that story. I would agree. All right, I've got the next news. Give me another Guinness story. That's right. You like to drink Guinness. I so love Guinness, I but things separate. <laughs> tied it in uh, a Philadelphia artist broke a Guinness World Record for the largest drawing by an individual when she used black markers to create an image that spans 6,507 feet. Okay, put me down as I wouldn't be able to break that Guinness record. That's another one I couldn't. <laughs> no, she's got, no, she's the, obviously raised as an artist from the yes. very beginning. Her name... Diamond, spelled D-Y-Y-M-O-N-D. Okay. Diamond Whipper Young, ah. age 24, said it took a total of 63 hours over five days to complete her piece, which she drew using black Crayola Project XL markers, said the Guinness World Records. They recognized Whipper Young's drawing as the largest made by an individual. Whipper Young's drawing is on display at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia as part of the exhibition entitled Crayola Idea, Ar- Idea Works, the creativity exhibition. No. <laughs> One of your girls comes home. I know you're looking forward to this soon because you're doing a marriage fit podcast now and yeah. you're talking about things. And she comes home and she goes, Dad, I love him. His name is David Whipper Young. He's a he's an artist. I'm gonna bring you over to meet him. He's an artist, yeah. No. Alan's like, my daughter's bringing this boy over for me to meet. So I'm going to be uh at that moment, I think it's time to clean my gun collection in the living room. You know, I'll be I've cleaning never, it at the time. You know, I've, I'll be I've never it. done that. That's such a stereotypical thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, but come but on. You as you work. heard in my episode, I can make it very uncomfortable in the room. <laughs> yeah, I can make things very, very weird. You could be watching Game of Thrones and let them sit there and watch it with you. That would. That, that's probably right now to me. That would be the most uncomfortable thing because I'm uncomfortable watching it with my wife that I'm married to, which is really funny. Seven seven zero three eight six fourteen fifty is our number. Somebody's on the line right now. Hey, it's speaking on there. Who's this? Hey, it's Jeff again. I got Jeff again. What's up? All right. Brought a girl home one time and put a hickey on me. For the kids listening right now that might not know Everyone what a, knows what a, hickey, what a is. hickey is, some of them might not know because there was a while before I even knew what it was uh, when I was a kid. Explain to everyone what a hickey is. You get the red mark on your neck. From what? Somebody sucking on it. <laughs> okay, just want to make sure. Somebody's kissing your neck, and they put well, a little suction kissing, on your neck. That's right. A little yeah, suction a little there. On. Okay, yeah. It was kind of like a badge of honor or embarrassing at one point for some people. So you got a hickey, right? All right, so Dad looks over and he says, he said, son, are you broke? I said, no, sir. He said, no. well, he said, next time you go out, let me know so I'll give you some money so y'all can eat out and you won't have to eat on you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, nice. Jeff. All right, bye. <laughs> you have a skin condition? You know it's good to see a doctor? Did you get in a fight with a vacuum cleaner and lose? What happened? Yeah. What's going on here? So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of funny. Irresponsible if you leave a mark like that in public. <laughs> it is irresponsible. I got the next news from UPI. Oh, leftover Valentine's Day. A decoration at a wedding vow renewal ceremony for 108 couples in China broke a Guinness World Record. It's Guinness World Record Day today for the largest rose bear. Oh, what? 
that's a that's a stru- that's a statue in the shape of a bear made out of roses. I mean, okay, common. Have you heard of that before? Okay, 20, sure. Twenty foot, two inch bear made from roses. China Regenerative Medicine International Limited, which hosted the ceremony for 108 couples in Wanning City, said the giant rose bear was constructed from 48,000 real roses attached to a metal wire frame. Wow! The bear measured 15 feet and 10 inches long, 12 feet and 10 inches wide, and 20 feet and two inches tall. The group said the roses on the seven-ton bear will be replaced with fake flowers as they begin to wilt so the sculpture can remain on display. That's amazing. That's a little leftover Valentine's Day story for you. It's like a Rose Bowl parade float on steroids. Yeah, it's it's humongous. I wouldn't be able to break that record either. I I know there's a plethora of lists of records that I would not be able to even attempt to do. Yeah, that one, that's a corporation. That's where you've got a lot of money and a lot of people that can all work on it. One of them would be, I wouldn't be able to put the coconut on your stomach and take a sword and split it perfectly uh, 110 of them I wouldn't in a row. let you. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's one reason <laughs> that we wouldn't do it, because there's a lot of trust involved like, there. No. But blindfolded and do it properly? No. I wouldn't be able to do that one. No, no. way. All right, I've got the last news. From UPI, a pair of former classmates in Indiana who were reconnected decades later on Facebook made a shocking discovery... They are actually long-lost twin siblings. Oh, no, it's one of those, really? Karen Warner, age 51, said she found out her biological mother's name a few years ago when Indiana unsealed adoption records, and she discovered, and the discovery came with a surprise. She also had a twin brother. Now, Warner said she sought help from various adoption websites to find her long-lost brother. Warner said the big break came when she obtained local voting records with a list of three men who shared her birth date. The third name on the list, Mike Jackman, stood out because he was a high school classmate who she had only very recently reconnected wow. with on Facebook. That is amazing. Facebook doing good stuff. Warner again. said Jackman a face sent him a Facebook message. Says said, but it's a typo. Warner sent Jackman a Facebook message saying they might be twin siblings, and the pair had a DNA test performed that confirmed their connection. The siblings said they now talk almost every day and get together several times a wow, week. Wow, that was close. Thankfully, they didn't have a hookup good prior to this information. Go out on a date. Although <laughs> apparently, goodness. and I remember hearing about this when I was a kid growing up, there have been incidents of two people where they just decided, well, we didn't know any better, but we got married and didn't know we were separated at birth, and now I ended up marrying my sister or my brother. Really? That, wow. That's yeah, happened that's before because people seal those adoption records, and so you're not sure who your mom and dad is, and so you meet somebody, and they're like, yeah, I was, I was adopted. I don't know who my mom and dad is, but think about, the, think about the odds of running into your twin and falling in love. I know it wasn't voluntary, but I know it gives new meaning to the word family tree grows straight up yeah, there's, there's no branches there's, there's not there's many one branches branch that doesn't one. go off i've always speculated now now my better half mrs bk always speculated what it would like to have a sibling because she was an only child i have speculated like maybe you have growing up because you and i have siblings i only have one i have one sister but i do have one mm-hmm. we've always entertained the thought every now and then what if we were only child what would it have been like it, it was always interesting i'm glad i had brothers I'll tell you that. That. and a lot of people think that because there were times growing up where i'm like man i wish i was only child i don't have to worry about anything but later on, I would think, eh, I'm glad I have a sister. Growing up, it was fun having a sister because people who are only child say, oh, I would love to have had a brother or sister or several yeah. like the Waltons or the Brady Bunch. It would have been great. I think more single siblings probably would say they wish they had had a sibling than, than multiple siblings saying they wish. Now, there's maybe one right. sibling you wish you had gotten rid of. <laughs> right, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a different well, story. My, my sister thinks that all the time. <laughs> but uh, the other thought that enters our heads in, and I've thought about this, is what would it have been like to have a twin? Because think about it. If you oh. have a twin, 
that's all they've known. They don't have to think about it. They, they can't think of anything different. But us can always speculate how interesting would it be to have someone else that looks just, especially if they're an identical twin. You know, there's been brother and sister twins that look right. nothing alike, right. that, that they're still twins. So I just think it would have been weird to look across and see somebody that looks just exactly like me. And I say that because I don't have that. So it would be fascinating. If I ran into my doppelganger, it'd be weird. And yes, and I dated a twin sister once many years ago as a teen i went out with a girl who had a twin sister and i just thought it was very interesting and after i dated her for a while i could start telling the difference between them because when you get older you find your own identity you don't try to match everything when you're right. a twin when you're young it's fun it's interesting but you're like and some twins now they don't want to look anything like each other speaking on there maybe we have a twin we need to get walt on that invest i don't want to grow up Taking pills is dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Dangerous? The wrong pill or too many pills can make you sick. Remember, kids shouldn't take any medicine unless it's given to them by a doctor or their parents. I remember Superman. in Cartersville. Stand by to receive our transmission. Hello, and welcome to Star Wars After a Weekend Edition. Star Wars Then, Star Wars Now, Star Wars Forever. Bringing you the latest from across the Star Wars universe, I'm your host, Mike Mann. Congratulations. You are being rescued. 2021 is ramping up to be the year of the Fett, as Marvel announced that Boba Fett will star in the upcoming miniseries, Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters comic series. This adventure begins with a series of crossovers in May and officially kicks off in June, running through October, followed by the Book of Boba Fett debuting in December. Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters will focus on the treacherous journey Boba Fett had to take while delivering Han Solo, Frozen and Carbonite to the crime lord Jabba the Hutt. Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters begins May 5th. You get nothing! You lose! Good day, sir! Mark Hamill recently shared a few off-screen photographs and memories via Twitter featuring himself and Carrie Fisher from the filming of Empire Strikes Back. In keeping Fisher's memory alive and well, Hamill shared a post from Vintage Pics of the two from 1979 adding the details, first day of Empire in Fence, Norway. She had no scenes there but came along just to hang out and not miss out on any of the fun. She always regretted not going to Tanzania for Star Wars. It was also a way to make sure she got her own crew snow jacket. And yes, I still have mine. Hamill's comments not only gave us a memoir of the filming of the iconic Star Wars sequel film, but also show the genuine nature of Carrie Fisher as she chose to be there for her friends above anything else. Mark Hamill's post and others can be seen on Twitter at Hamill himself. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. And lastly, in an interview with author Soraya Wilson, Ryan Johnson confirmed 
that he is still set to make a future Star Wars trilogy down the road due to the filmmaker having other projects currently going on. The Ryan Johnson Star Wars trilogy was first announced in 2017 and has since had to battle multiple rumors of the project folding and abandonment, which have since been confirmed and reconfirmed to be false. <laughs> That's all the time we have this week. Be sure to check out Star Wars Extra's YouTube channel. Give us a like and subscribe for the latest news and also to stay up to date about our documentary and production, Building Boba Fett, an in-depth look and interview with those involved in the creation of the elusive bounty hunter. Tune back in next week for all the latest and greatest in Star Wars and for Star Wars Extra, I'm Mike Mann and now back to your friend and mine BK on the air Without further ado it's time to start running On your marks Get set Killian I'll be back Only in a rerun Go Running Man there, the original film. Wow, I can't believe how long it's been since that movie's out. Uh, we were started talking earlier before we took a break uh, earlier about Stephen King's Running Man being redone or rebooted by Paramount by director Edgar Wright. I'll have the story and delve into it right now. The story takes place in the United States, as we know, in the year 2025 which is not too far away right now, which sees the economy in ruins and violence dramatically escalating. They write it. The only thing they're missing here is a pandemic. The book was loosely adapted into a film in 1987. <laughs> loosely. <laughs> you know, because you've read it. In 1987, that was directed by Paul Michael Glazer and featured Arnold Schwarzenegger, as you heard, and Richard Dawson. The upcoming version is expected to stay more faithful to the source material, and the cast has not been set yet. Michael Bacall penned the script from a story he co-wrote with Wright. Simon Kinberg from X-Men and Dark Phoenix and Audrey Chan will produce the film for Genre Films. There's a little interesting information on the film that they're putting together. Now, King's novels and genres ranging from, ranging from horror to sci-fi to crime and fantasy have been rich material for films and television shows all over the place. Among the most successful have been Carrie, The Shining, It, and the sequel, It Chapter 2. Uh, and several others that they didn't include here. Well, why didn't um, they put Shawshank Redemption? I don't know. Paramount, I think they're talking about the horror stuff, I guess, in sci-fi. Paramount recently adapted Pet Cemetery based on King's 1983 book. Did that? That's right. Did they redo Pet Cemetery not mm -hmm. too long ago yet again? Okay. Yeah, and from um, what I understand from everybody, it was as bad as the first adaptation of wow, Pet Cemetery. Wow, okay. So. I knew the first one was filmed uh, in, in Georgia in the Atlanta area, one of the earlier films it was. Right, who includes a uh, resume. You may remember Edgar Wright. He directed Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. And the Atlanta filmed Baby Driver. He recently debuted his music documentary, The Sparks Brothers, at the Virtual Sundance Film Festival. So I didn't know that he had another new film that was out, an, another movie. So that's pretty cool. I, I guess I'm always looking forward to something, especially if it's going to be a good. If it's going to be good, I mean, as you know, they tried to redo. Um, Poltergeist not too long ago, and I it kind of failed, at least in my eyes it did, because I tried to watch it. I'm like, and it was forever in the shadow of the original film, Poltergeist, right. that you and I love from 1982. And I'm watching the new one, but I think truly, I don't think it was so much the fact that I loved the original one so much that I couldn't enjoy this one. It's just that it just really wasn't that scary. They tried to do things, and, they and it tried just wasn't very, maybe they tame it. A little hard. bit. I don't know what they did. But they and I don't wrong. know why they did that, because actually they didn't have PG-13 or you know, it, it, when Spielberg was right. behind the yeah. first one. And by the way, what? I'm a part of a Facebook group where these people are finding these great pictures that they'll share. There's no way Spielberg 
let Toby Hooper direct that movie. Well, no, I, I and I'm from the other side that says no, I if think you watch that it's the both number of be, shots. Toby Hooper's just sitting on the side, when, and Spielberg is doing everything. When I've seen several, when I've seen the official uh, thing that that Steven said, his he official had to thing said that he so had I, to. I don't know that we'll ever know the 100 percent truth of that. He had so. no choice because the rules half, of Hollywood at that time you couldn't direct two features. Half of the people that worked on the film said, "Nah, Toby directed the scenes that that I remember in the movie." I don't know. I don't know where you read that because well, no I one. I've got when I did all my research on Poltergeist when we covered it. They were right. like Spielberg was all but three days on set. There's there's two camps, and I think, and I don't know if I believe I believe it's a little of both, but I've seen both stories. I've seen I've seen it both ways. And we could have a, a whole podcast. You honestly about think Spielberg that. was not on set only three? No, no, days I, I didn't. I didn't say didn't that. Didn't direct didn't the movie. I didn't say that. I'm just saying people people said Toby Hooper did not direct the film, and I I think he did. Technically I think he said, it. "All right, everybody, rolling. <laughs> well, Do what Steven said." That's a cool great spirited debate that we should have sometime that'd be good hey that'd be good uh, for the longest time i i didn't until i did the research behind it and hearing all the things they kept it all quiet until toby hooper right died yeah so it's uh, it's an interesting thing to to talk about but i get either way it's a great movie uh and and uh to me it's always on my at least top five horror films of all time and we always talk about it during our halloween i'll just i'll wrap with this i'm glad we don't have those stupid rules anymore what rules? Like you couldn't direct two features. No, and in a I year. think it, I think it was dumb anyway. I mean, he why, Spielberg why, even why wanted Williams trust? to compose it, and Jerry Goldsmith had to compose it because he was Williams was busy. I think. Right. Speaking on there, we got more coming up. Stay tuned. BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WVHF. I'm so glad that you're here to join us today as, you're, as we are on every Saturday. Let's do this day in history. I had to actually search for this day in history today because, well, it's not that I couldn't find the day. There just wasn't a lot that happened on this day. February 20th was a very quiet and mild day in history in a way. Now, at least from the genre stuff that we like to talk about, I had to search for things. On this day, February 20th in 1872, Luther Crowell patents a machine that manufactures paper bags. See how far I had to reach for things that happened on this day in history? That's crazy. 1962, John Glenn becomes the first American to orbit the Earth on this day, February 20th, 1962, on Friendship 7 was the name of the craft he was on. 1965, a year before I was born in February, February 20th, Ranger 8. Not uh, not the one Buck Rogers was on, but Ranger 8 makes the hard landing on the moon and returns photos and other data. Isn't that weird that that happened on this day in 1965, and now we've just landed on Mars again? Yeah. Yesterday was the, the Mars landing. Area of time, which is really great. On this day, this is interesting, 1968, on NBC, on this date, February 20th, Columbo premieres on NBC TV. What a great, one of the great detective shows you know, ever on television I keep Columbo. saying, I want to find all of them and just binge watch every Columbo episode. Just it's another everything. good show that's great. It was great. Every time it's on one of the channels that I have on, on Sling, 
I, I sit there and I'll watch it because it's just, it's just it's so great. Whoever thought a show would be great where you know who the killer is at the beginning, but the whole show is about him proving that they did it and him trapping them into admitting it and telling them at the and end. And creating them. that character, the <laughs> yeah. bumbling, Crumpled disheveled, looks so disorganized. And Driving all it the is crappy is, car. And you realize, every time, you know, every episode, <laughs> yeah. it's to get the bad guy to get so sure. confident they make a mistake. Yeah, he was a great detective, but he was also a very great actor. Because he's like, I gotta make sure this guy thinks I'm an idiot. <laughs> and he really doesn't. Every time he's like, oh, I'm sorry to bother you. Get oh, oh, but you know he knows. One more thing. I, I, I'm sorry. I just yeah, it right. just occurred to me. You ever seen Kevin Pollock do Peter Falk? Oh, it's great. He's just and he does the eye too. Well, another thing, the Steven Spielberg directed episode of Columbo, murdered murder by the book, was ranked number 16 on TV Guide's 100 Greatest Episodes of All Time. Spielberg actually worked on Columbo. One of the episodes, yep. 1971 on this day, the National Emergency Center erroneously orders U.S. and radio and TV stations to go off the air. A mistake wasn't resolved for 30 minutes on this day back in 1971. Hmm. What they thought was going on. That's yeah, what was going on? Yeah, well, I guess everybody went dark for 30 minutes, and we, I guess we would have two here at WBHF. I don't know. I wasn't around here on the air in 1971. Maybe we did. On this day in 1992, hmm. we lost a cast member. Of Bewitched, the first Darren, Dick York, died in 1992. He was born in 1928. Birthdays on this day today, Sandy Duncan, actress, comedian, singer, dancer. Her birthday today. Today is also Jay Giles' birthday. John Warren Giles Jr. of the Jay Giles Band, American guitarist for Jay Giles. Uh, he did was not the lead singer of Jay Giles' band. Peter Wolf was the lead singer. He had a Remember his solo hit he had in the 80s after he left Jay Giles' band? It's called Lights Out. I'd have to play it for you. He had a couple of hits, but Lights Out was one of them. And today is also Cindy Crawford's birthday today as well. She's aged well. She has aged well. Like Christy Brinkley. Have you seen Christy Brinkley lately? She's in her early 60s. She does not look it she at all. She looks great. Well, but, you know, Linda Carter painting. looks great. They have paintings of themselves in the attic locked away. Perhaps. Where no one can get to. Now, I kind of added skilled some. skilled surgeons. I kind of added some to this today because we we're kind of light on things that happen on this day. So, hey, it was 40 years ago. Let's continue our quest back into 1981, which was 40 years ago, and talk about what were the eight biggest video games 40 years ago in 1981. You should remember these. Number eight. You control this game by going around a grid with a little spinner, Tempest. shooting things. Tempest was number the number one of my game. favorite games. Love such that a game. weird premise, though. Someone actually thought of that. Let's build this game and make but it. But one like of the this. first to give you the sense of three dimensions that you were right. actually then moving down, or things were coming up f- from a well. And it was one of those what's called vector games. It had vector graphics, and I, yeah. I think I loved all vector games. Their graphics yeah, from were so Battle cool. Zone to Tempest to the Star to, Wars uh, first Star game. Wars first games. They were uh, asked all those games. Star Trek number seven. The one that you control with a big rollerball shooting mushrooms. and That would be Centipede. Centipede. Another insane game. Number six in 1981, 40 years ago, Pleiades. Do you remember that game? That's another one that I remember. It was a little-known one, but it was a hot. It was hot in 1981. It was one of those ships at the bottom of the screen shooting at things coming oh, at really? you. It was a derivative yeah. of Space Invaders only so, with a lot more action. Instead of a side-scroller, it was a top-scroller right. coming down? A lot okay. more action in that game. Number five, 1981 video game. Wizard of War. Do you remember that one? It's a big maze in the middle uh, middle of the screen, and you had a guy walking through this maze with a sh- with a laser gun shooting at monsters that would come at you, and you and they would get faster and faster and faster. <sighs> I bet if I saw it, I'd recognize remember. it. But 
The number four game, we've talked about this one before. Try to get that little guy to hop across the road. Frogger! Across the, the logs and the water. That was huge. Frogger, everyone was playing Frogger. Frogger. It was the number four biggest game in 1981. Number three. You know we're leading up to the number one game. Maybe you can get in your mind, maybe give me a guess of what it is. Number three. This is a game that I'm not, not even familiar with. All, so far, all of our games on the list have been an arcade platform. Mm-hmm. But this game was an Apple II game. You may know more about it because you were more into computers uh, in the old days, but I don't know if you had one back in 82 or not. Ultima 1, one. the yes. first Age of Darkness, was the number three game in 1980. The first, one. quote, fantasy slash role-playing game. Yes. Apple II. Ultima that's, 1. That, that, that's the only computer-based game on this entire list. Is that what If so you, see, if really you go popular. watch that Netflix uh, five-part documentary series games? called Game Over or, right. or, or, or Next Coin right, or something yeah. like that, they talk about and they they interview the creator of Ultima wow. One and talked about how by the time he got to Ultima Four he needed to change the rules because people learned how to do things to basically to cheat. cheat not only <laughs> cheat the game but not play it like a real person and so he's like he oh, put like okay. consequences in so if you were a dastardly person you would have dastardly things oh, happen okay. to you it's, it was great so you played it obviously I was, was very it, well aware was of the it Ultima. really good was it fun yeah I mean it was. You look at it today and you're like, how would anybody play right. this game? But, I mean, you just got lost in the story of being right. in, in a fantasy. Number two, another space game where you shot. Space invaders. You shot things. No, it's not Space Invaders. Uh, number oh. two is, uh, it, again, took Space Invaders to another level. Everything's moving around, and your ship could get captured on this game. Oh, Galaga. Galaga. Number two game in 1981. That's Mrs. BK's favorite video arcade game of all time. Galaga's Galaga. fun. She loved it. You Especially know, I found you... no Galaga on this cruise ship. When we went on our cruise and our honeymoon, they had an arcade. And I'm like, they've got a Galaga down here. i got to play it. And we both played it, and it was so fun. Galaga, that was one of the first times where you're like, it's okay to let one of your ships get captured because then the idea right. is to get it back and you get double get fire. Double firepower. That's And you, that's really the only way you could get past further in the game. It made it a lot easier. Firepower, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I bet num- I know number one. Number one. What do you think the number one game is? And it's an arcade platform. It's not computer. Yeah. What is the number one arcade game from 1981, Pac-Man. 40 years ago? Pac-Man. It is not number one. I think Pac-Man came and went, and it was it was uh, the the none of these games. I Pac-Man isn't even on this list. It might have been number nine or ten, but this is only the top eight that I could find. Really? Pac-Man is not number one, but it's another huge popular game that went on to see lots of life in Nintendo home like Donkey systems. Kong? Donkey Kong, number one. There you go. Kind of with Spark. 1981. Technically where Mario first is invented. Yeah, it was, yeah, that's where his character first showed up. Now, I always liked the, uh, there was one called Donkey Kong 3, uh, Donkey Kong 3, or it was, it was Donkey Kong Jr. Donkey Kong Jr. Where he jumps up and was trying to shoot things and stuff, and then he... Play on the vines. He play on the vines. I thought it was, a, I thought it was a, I think I played it more than, than the actual Donkey Kong. So there's your top eight video games from four I cannot believe Pac-Man wasn't. Pac-Man was such a phenomenon. And I checked several lists to make sure that this wasn't. And I wonder if it was prior, like maybe Pac-Man was already now a little too old. I think it did because it was 80. Pac-Man was big in 79 and 80, I think. It's just weird because I remember Pac-Man was huge. And then Mrs. Pac-Man blew up. I mean. Yeah. I, I. If I had to choose between my favorite Pac-Man game, it was Mrs. I have to choose that one because I just liked that gameplay of that one better. Now, Super Pac-Man was even fun, where he, where he grew to be a giant mm-hmm. and even had different mazes to go through. Uh, it's always National Something Day, day, and today is no different. It's February twentieth. Today is National Comfy Day. Are you comfy? Right now, yeah. Comfy. I'm doing what I love, so yeah. I'm feeling comfortable. Yeah, I make fairly good I'm money. I'm comfy. I make good money. I'm sorry. Kicking my legs back, relaxing. You're uh, you got more radio things going on than I do, so you got to be more comfortable than me. 
That's for sure. Of course, you're more comfortable now. You're an empty nester. That's <laughs> true. Ways. No offense to the kids, you know, no. but, you know, it's just a lot quieter. You know? well, I, I think they like it better, too. <laughs> Being empty nesters is always mutually beneficial for both. It is. Everybody's, everybody's happy. In other words, when my kids came over for that night, we <laughs> yeah. enjoyed the talk, but then they went back home. Right. <laughs> They were gone. And when when the kids came over on Christmas Day to celebrate with us, we told them, hey, we got tickets for Wonder Woman 1984 at 2 o'clock. You guys got to get the heck out of here. Bye. (laughs) Kick it out. Got to go. 770-386-1450 is our number. Somebody else is calling right now. Hey, it's me on the air. Who's this? They hung up. Oh, they hung up. Wow. They're going to tell us what their favorite video game was or something. National Comfy Day. It is also National Cherry Pie Day. Cherry Pie. Why not? We I'm a pie eater. I can eat any pie. Celebrate that, right? Yeah. Any pie. There's there is and no I bad like, pie. And I even like uh, meat pies. Yes, we talked about this I before. Love that. I, that's Anything the British, in a crust. That's the British in me, <laughs> I think, likes that. That's one of the funnest things to go when you go to the Highland Games at Stone Mountain is they have – it's all Scottish – but they do have the Irish tent set up, and they have the British section set up, and it's usually the daughters of the British Empire that's, <laughs> that caters it with all the British food, and you get a meat pie with your uh, with your sauce that goes on it, which is great. Some haggis. National. Oh, this is every day for us. National Love Your Pet Day today. Yeah, there well, is no day I don't well, love my pet. Jeez, man, I'm just. Can going I tell you the coolest the thing? Dog my time. dog, my my one, my husky, loves to sleep above my head against the headboard. Doesn't take up a lot of room. She literally will be against the wow, headboard really? above my head. So she must have kind of rolled her head over. Yeah. I woke up, and her head, her ear was against <laughs> my ear, and I was just listening to her breathe. She was dead asleep, but her head had rolled <laughs> so against the cute. side of my head, and I'm just like, so this cute. is the best. I love that dog. They're I such, love all my dogs. Dogs are such, they are, they are pack animals, and they are part of the, our pack, and our dog, I don't care if... Stacy's doing her hair in the bathroom, and I'm going in to brush my teeth. And our bathroom is not that big two-person bathroom. We're going to have that fixed in our next house, by the way. We're going to have a huge bathroom. Uh, she comes in there to stand in there, and there's not any room anyway. And I'm like, you just have to be in here with us. You just have yep. to be here and she's where like, we are. Right. She's like, yeah, what's your point? When I'm cooking, I'm like, well, you're right under my feet. Well, that's where I'm supposed to be. And again, today is National Muffin Day. So all the days today are great. I mean, I'm okay, I'm okay with today. I can, I can celebrate every national day today with no comfy- problem. Muffin with my dog. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Jarvis, a virtual artificial intelligence, and I'm here to assist you with a variety of tasks as best I can. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Importing all preferences from home interface. Systems are now fully operational. looked at, a, at, a, at someone walking that's got their the, 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 the like a bathing suit on you can see their back their exposed back or their the, the, the lower back have you ever noticed two little uh, dimples on their back just on their lower back on each side asymmetrically placed on each side of the back are you familiar with those at all have you seen those i'm pretty familiar with what they look like well I've seen those before, and I saw them years ago. I'm like, well, what are those little, two little? It looks like someone. It looks like their back was made of clay or something, 
and someone just pushed their fingers in just a little bit and made two little, you know, little divots mm-hmm. in there. And I always wonder, what is that? I mean, a lot of people seem to have those, especially especially women and girls. They have them. I found out what they were called, and I'm going to tell you what they are because some people may not know Extensive what they are. Extensive research? I, I thought it was, yeah. I thought, well, I didn't do any on-hand research Well, other than Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. BK yeah. has them. She has them. Uh, you've probably seen the back dimples before. You probably know who Venus is, too. You've heard of Venus, not just the planet, but who Venus, Venus the goddess, was. The Roman goddess, Roman goddess of love and beauty. But when you hear the phrase, dimples of Venus, what do you think? Is it, have you ever heard of that before? No. Some people have it, and I want to talk about it. Do you picture Venus hanging out with one of her bows, smiling coyly? Is that what it is? Maybe you smile as you envision all the people she might have gifted with dimples in their cheeks. Well, if you do, if you think of dimples of Venus, you need to adjust your image. The dimples of Venus are actually the two little indentations on your lower back located just above your <clears throat> your other cheeks back down there. That's where they are. Your buttocks? Right. The gluteus maxim, maximilianus. In the medical community, they're also referred and I wonder if your buddy, Dr. Tim Ryan, might know this. The medical community, they're also referred to as sacral dimples, owing to their anatomical position where the sacroiliac joint is located on your back. The two depressions lie on each side of the spine and connect the pelvis's uh, bone to the spine's sacrum, I guess is how you pronounce that. There are no known health risks associated with back dimples. I don't think everybody in the world has them. Though that part of the back is prone to exertion. People who have lower back pain often experience it there where the lumbar spine and the hips meet. Now, not everyone has these, though. So perhaps we're on to something about them being a true gift because not, not everyone has them. Now, found among males called Apollo holes on men. That's what they're <laughs> called. More of Apollo, not Venus. And females of all ages the, and backgrounds. The women get dimples. We get holes. Right. And they're not really holes. They're still dimples on guys, too. Uh, not, not anything cute sounding. No, it's very, and, uh, all ages uh, and backgrounds. Uh, and these dimples are tip, uh, typically uh, um, found in most uh, most everybody. Since there's no muscle where the dimples form, exercise won't give them shape, but it can help you become lean in the area where they appear. Workouts that focus on the back and spine are good, as are yoga positions that make the spinal column tone, toned and supple. I love that word, supple. Losing fat in the lower back region can also make them more pronounced if you have them. They can also be visible in some heavier folks with, whose bone structure allow for their appearance. Having venous dimples is considered special for quite a few reasons. Possessing them are said to bring blessings and good luck if you're that sort of person. So there you are, some information on those little dimples, little divots on your lower back, which in women happen to be called dimples of Venus hmm. or Apollo holes. Uh, Apollo holes just sounds stupid. I'll just stick with them, dimples of Venus because I usually see them on ladies and uh, on the beach. I was wondering what they were because I thought it meant there was something wrong with somebody. I'm like, hey, that that person has two little dimples on their backside there. What is that? And I'm like, okay. Now you know. So, uh, <laughs> that's funny. So uh, we're going to come back. I feel like the, the little star has just flown by. The more you know. I'm not going to elaborate any further, but uh, there's always something. And I always thought there maybe was something wrong with them until I looked it up. And I said, well, wonder. I don't see them on everybody, but I'm starting to see them on other people. And I'm thinking, why do they have them? And that person has them, and that person does, and that person doesn't. So now I know, as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story. So I've got one more story here. I'm going to do this before we uh, before the top of the hour because I'm running out of time. Isn't it great that we have a lander on Mars right now. I think it's cool because you and I are back to uh, engage in something at our local TELUS Museum coming up here in the future where we talk about science fiction crossing over with the past and the present. Mm-hmm. You know, Star Trek influencing science fiction. Uh, movies like, uh, oh, I don't 
know, 2001, Blade Runner, you know, trying to trying to cross over between fact and fiction. And some movies actually make you – there are some fantastical movies. Some people argue that Star Wars is science fantasy and less science fiction. I would kind of agree with that, I guess. But even in Star Wars, we have spaceships that are sealed from – from the atmosphere of space where you can't breathe or whatnot unless you're a jedi and you're leia but this is awesome <laughs> uh, from lucas manfredi and fox news nasa has unveiled the first pictures from its fifth mars rover i forgot it's the fifth one i thought it was the second one but i guess it is the fifth mars Holy rover crap, really perseverance after a successful landing on the red planets cr- one of the craters at approximately 3:55 p.m on thursday perseverance the most technologically advanced robot nasa has sent to date traveled 293 million miles to reach Mars over the course of more than six months after launching on a United Launch Atlas rocket from Cape Canaveral Space Station on July the 30th. I am not going to commit complain too much anymore when I drive to the coast because uh, <laughs> it took <laughs> it took six months for this travel to take place. The mission will help prepare the agency for future human exploration on Mars in the 2030s. This is the new space program, which it will take us in the 2030s. The $2.7 billion rover built in NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California, is 10 inches long, 9 feet wide, and 7 feet tall, and about 2,260 pounds, roughly 278 pounds heavier than its predecessor, which was called the Curiosity. Perseverance is designed to drive an average of 650 feet per Martian day and features seven scientific instruments, a robot arm that reaches about seven feet long, and a rock drill. It is nuclear-powered using a plutonium generator provided by the U.S. Department of Energy. The scientific instruments on the rover include a camera designed to take high-definition video, panoramic color, and 3D images of the Martian surface and features the atm- in the atmosphere with a zoom lens to magnify distant targets, a group of sensors to measure the weather and monitor dust on the planet's surface, which I understand there's quite a bit of red dust up there, a system that will be used to produce oxygen from the Martian carbon dioxide atmosphere, and an X-ray and camera system that can measure the chemical makeup of rocks and analyze features as small as a grain of salt, a ground-penetrating radar system to analyze geologic uh, features under Mars' surface, a group of cameras, 25 to be exact from what I hear, spectrometers, and a laser to search for organics and minerals as well as take close-up images of rock grains and surface textures, and a a separate camera to identify the chemical compositions of rocks and soils, including their atomic and molecular makeup. That's This thing's loaded. (laughs) No wonder it's so heavy. This is probably the most technologically advanced thing we've ever placed anywhere, including the the manned mission to the moon. It's definitely up there. With these, you don't have to go there. Now, in addition to the the rover carries a commemorative plate to honor COVID-19 healthcare workers and has the names of 10.9 million people stenciled into three of its silicone chips with the words explore as one written in morse code perseverance landing involved the seven minutes of terror they called it a fiery atmospheric entry in a protective capsule which involved a parachute assisted descent the seven minutes of terror is referred to by nasa engineers as the time it takes to enter the martian atmosphere and descend to the surface now the spacecraft is guided solely by a pre-programmed controls on its onboard computer due to a roughly 11 minute signal delay between earth and mars right yeah, there's 11 minutes. Like there would be no way to make a correction if it was coming in at the yep. wrong angle. It's going to just it's oh, going to well. blow. <laughs> We're done. But that's a great way to think about it and fix that. Perseverance entered the atmosphere about 12,100 miles an hour in yep. a protective capsule. The spacecraft then deployed a parachute to begin slowing down before removing its protective capsule and heat shield. The rover's landing mechanism then fired eight rocket thrusters to slow down from about 170 miles per hour to about 2 miles per hour. That's a big slowdown and guide it to a proper landing spot before using a 
a sky crane to lower onto Mars surface. This is this is awesome. I hear about this and I'm like, this is the most awesome thing we've ever you done. Know, man. We interviewed great. David Dundee, the astronomer for Telus. And yeah. Apparently, they also have a helicopter, like a. We uh, did a story on that many yeah. months ago about the helicopter they're going to use. The, which has to be designed differently for the thin atmosphere, right. but they're going to try to see if they can't get some aerial drone footage from this same thing, which I think is awesome. Right. The, it actually ends by saying Ingenuity will be deployed in a few months from underneath the rover in a flat area. Perseverance will then drive about 330 feet away to capture the flight's attempts with its cameras. Once Ingenuity's test flights are complete, the rover's search for evidence of ancient life or water or whatever will begin on Mars. So. Well, the fact when that I got find- there and just about, like, they kept saying on the news of, uh, around seven months, but it was like six and a half months. Think about that. That's half a year to get there from here. And do you remember the movie? They made a movie about uh, The Martian? Mars, well, The Martian. But they did a movie about a Mars launch in 1978 called Capricorn One was the name of the movie. And the whole the whole premise of the film was, and and even then, I remember when it came out, and I saw it. I think I saw it on cable Showtime when Showtime was new on our television in 1980. I watched it, and watching it, even in 1979, 80, I was thinking, "Wow, going to Mars, that's incredible, man! Are we ever going to do that?" And now, now, granted, it's not people on Mars, but the whole premise of the film was they were staging the entire thing in the film. It was going to be a production on a sound studio, soundstage, shot like they were on Mars. James Brolin, O.J. Simpson, and Sam Watterson were in it, and uh, the recently deceased uh, Hal Holbrook played the guy in charge of NASA that had the grim task of telling the guys, they put them in the capsule, they're about to launch them, and right before anyone knew it, they took all the astronauts off the rocket, and the rocket launched without them, and he took them into a room and said, listen, quite frankly, here's the thing, we're broke, we can't make this work, We could. you guys would have died mm. if you went, because we just can't do it, but the PR is a disaster, we can't suffer the PR loss that we would get from this. So you've launched, as far as the public knows, we're going to take you into a studio hangar and mm. film you on the set of Mars like you're really there and, be, and beam it to uh, Florida, to uh, Cape Canaveral, to uh, to uh, um, the guys at uh, Mission Control. And as far as America knows, you're there. You're on Mars. Well, the astronauts decide they don't want to go along with that. Mm. They're like, we're not going to lie to the people. This is crazy. We have at least a little bit of honor. And they break out of their... Uh, they break out of there and they refuse to do it well now Hal Holbrook goes well we can't let them reach the press we can't let them reach anybody let's just uh, let's kill them let's track them down and kill them the three astronauts they're crazy so they know they have to kill them because they just put out that on re-entry they died they announced to the world well coming back uh, something happened and the rocket blew up and they've died and we've lost three brave astronauts well now they've got to kill them they can't let them get back now to tell them that it didn't happen right so that's what the whole movie's about it's a great thriller directed by peter himes no was jerry the, goldsmith did the score fantastic movie wasn't the concept they wanted to make it mars but this was about how the conspiracy that nasa never landed on the moon right and i think that's kind of why they did it or whatever but right. uh, but they made it the, they made it mars instead of the moon because we'd already been to the moon so there was kind of a thinly veiled story about that and it's really good telly savalas is in it as a as kind of a a character he plays a real crazy character in it where he's a crop dusting pilot out in the desert and james brolin you know get and i'm not spoiling a of an over 40 year old movie for anybody if you haven't seen it or whatever but james brolin is the only astronaut that survives at the end the other two guys are, are murdered by the secret agents that are looking for them oh wow to kill them james brolin is lost in the desert out west somewhere and he comes across this uh this biplane pilot who happens to be a, a crop duster and it's Telly Savalas and he goes you got to get me out of here these guys are after me and he gets him on the plane and then all of a sudden the helicopters from the guys are coming after him to kill him and he finally does get him back and the and the uh, the last scene of the film 
is James Brolin's character showing up at his funeral. And they just see him walk up and look and look at him and see him coming, and that's when the credits roll. You don't mm. get to see what he does, so it's kind of that kind of ending. Capricorn 1, 1978, it's a great is film. Is that before he gives birth to Thanos? Yes, much like, I don't know. I think he was just a little kid. When was when was his when was Brolin born, his son? I don't I know. Look up and see how old he is. But yeah, it could it could be because he was in the Goonies in the eighties. I think he's probably already born already. Mm. The Goonies came out what eighty five, I think, and he was already a teenager. So oh. maybe he was born before seventy eight. Maybe he was just an infink, little infink, <laughs> <laughs> little little Thanos, a little Thanos running around. And that's fascinating too to see see them on the set at Pinewood down in Atlanta when they were filming that. And, you know, James Brolin's on the set when he's doing Thanos. He's there oh, yeah. with the motion capture stuff on. And at least that gives them something to act to when they're interspersing inter- mm. with him. And, and Oh, by the way, speaking him. of the motion capture and everything that we take so for granted with the Marvel movies, have yeah. you seen the behind the scenes that got released of James Cameron's Avatar 2? No, I haven't. I have not seen that. So there's a little mini documentary that got released where the reason it was going to take this long is he was pioneering motion capture underwater oh really so the actors are performing underwater with but the they, motion capture with the motion capture and they wow. said that was the hardest because doing it with the still air is yeah. easy you can paint anything in but with right. water water's constantly moving so the focal yeah. points always all over the place right and he said that's why he had to take so long as they had yet to develop the technology really? to do motion capture underwater i'm going to propose something i don't know if i'm right or not do you think the Avatar ship has sailed. Do you think there's still so much interest in it that we can have ten more films that he's well, waiting on? Well, he's to do? doing two, three, and four all together. I know, but I'm thinking people we'll see. maybe kids that have forgotten what it is. It's supposed to be twenty years later and it's the kids right. of the like it's gonna be focused on a younger oh, group. So they're just taking up the time right passing. Well, it's been fun talking all of this talk that we do Check it out. Check Saturday. the documentary out. I will check it out. If you it check out really Capricorn neat. 1, it's a great movie. It's probably streaming somewhere for you to see. Speaking on there, thank you all for being here. Thank you, Alan, for being here as always. Great Having a good time Saturday. every Saturday. See us on the podcast, BK Escape Pod, later on. Speaking on there. See you next week. Mark calling Orson. Come in, Orson. Mark calling Orson. Come in, Orson. Oh, Nanu. <laughs> Mark calling Orson. Come in, you Cineraminus. Just get on with your report, Mark. Oh, yes, sir. This week, sir, I learned what it's like to be famous on Earth. That's good. Well, sir, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. You see, most Earthlings try very hard to be recognized for what they do, but when they become stars, sir, they realize they're recognized wherever they go. You mean they lose their privacy? Well, sir, sometimes they can even lose their clothes. You see, being a star, sir, is a 24-hour job, and you can't leave your face at the office. Isn't fame its own reward? Oh, yes, sir, it is. But when you're a celebrity, everybody wants a piece of you, sir. Unless you can say no, there'll be no pieces left for yourself. I thought all stars were rich, live in mansions, and drive big eggs. I know, sir, that's the common misconception. But you see, to get that, you have to pay a very heavy price. You have responsibilities, anxieties, and, well, to be honest, sir, some of them can't take it. I'm not buying it, Mort. Why, sir? It sounds to me like they have it made. Well, most of them do, sir, but some are victims of their own fame. Very special and talented people. People like Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Lenny Bruce, Freddie Prince, and John Lennon. <laughs>